Okay, uh, on this episode, we're interviewing John Lurie from the band Tantric. What's up, buddy? What's up? What's up? What's up? So actually, before we were talking uh, or got on, you said you were watching football. Do you have a favorite team? Cowboys, which I wasn't oh, watching gosh, Cowboys because they, they, <laughs> oh, they slayed it on Thanksgiving Day and the Giants. Yeah. Oh, man. And I'm from Jersey, right? So like, gotcha. um, so, you know, growing up, I was always, you know, ridiculed for, you know, l- loving the, the Dallas Cowboys. And so, um, you know, growing up, it was always it, it, that you know, Sunday night game, the Cowboys would get, you know, beaten because it was right around the time. I wish that, that was the case. Yeah, right around the time, <laughs> you know, like the Giants were crushing it every season. They had Eli. They were doing really well. And and so every time that that would happen, I'd walk into school the next day and everybody knew, you know, that me and, and my brothers were, were Cowboys fans. And that was just oh, it. Man. So, it <laughs> so you had the roughest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Bengals fan, and uh, he's actually a Broncos fan. Yeah, I'm a we're Broncos actually we're, we're in Ohio. Is actually where we're. Oh, you guys here. can't hate that much, then. I mean, uh, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I could see if you guys were. I mean, it's not the Redskins anymore, but like, I I could see if you guys were Redskins fans or Giants or Eagles, then I'd go, okay, yeah, they've got we've got some beef here. But come on, Broncos, like we get beef like once a season. That's I know, I, I dude, I just <laughs> I'm just not a Cowboys fan. It's just. Yeah. I never have been. There's a lot of players like they're good players, but I just I don't I choose not to like them. Uh, that, you know what? That's it, it's hard to be on top and be America's team. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Everybody, what my grandpa called them too. Yeah, American's team because yeah. they, they they were around before a lot of other teams too. Like the Bengals yeah. weren't around. And the big mm-hmm. I'm just tired of hearing about them making it to the Super Bowl every year and then them flopping in the playoffs. Oh yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I, too, I, I'm sure. I, it's been a it's been a lifelong struggle. You know, it's it's that sort of thing that they are just uh, they never can seem to pull it off. Once the playoffs hit, they can't pull it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they choke. It's, yeah, it's the quarterbacks choke. they get. Dak Prescott chokes under big games. Tony Romo yeah. he choked under the big games. Mm-hmm. Just the great quarterback. Aikman, Aikman was Aikman was yeah. money though. Yeah, yeah, just... yeah. Aikman was on top that whole '90s team. Emmett Smith, you know, they they were just they had the the great wall of the Dallas Cowboys as that front uh, line, that offensive line, and nothing could yeah. get past them. So it's like now they've get you know it's just Jerry Jones buying the most expensive player, the guy that beat them <laughs> last year, you know that t- sort of thing. And then they'll get that guy and then he'll suck because now he's making big money. So he doesn't care, you know, and so I get it. I get I get the hate. Trust me. <laughs> he understands. So, so where does your uh, your musical journey start? Like, when did you start playing drums or uh, have an interest in long, music? Long time. But um, I, my I, I started playing um, when I was around 11. And, and so this might make you want to <laughs> this might make you want to hang up this podcast right now but i started depending on where you land but i started as like a huge nickelback fan that was my that was my okay good so it started off as this like you know i the one of the first albums i ever had was all the right reasons right and mm-hmm. that was right around 2005 or so 
And I just loved the record. I thought like, you know, we would listen to it all the time. I'm a triplet, by the way. So me and my brothers grew up playing music together. And that's how that all started. Was, was, was it stemmed from Nickelback, right? And so mm-hmm. um, we, we our first, first concert we ever went to was Nickelback, that sort of thing. And so um, we just loved it. And, uh, you know, everybody... It, me, out of me and my brothers they both picked guitar right so they were like oh yeah we want to be guitar players and i was left with the drums and i was like oh cool yeah like i wasn't really thrilled about it and uh, i wasn't really excited i think drums are awesome <laughs> yeah i wasn't but at the time i wasn't excited to be a drummer i wasn't you know how every kid you know you, you talk to certain drummers out there and, and they have that story of like the mom will say, oh, yeah, he used to drum on everything when he was in diapers. He used to, like, hit on pots and pans and do all that. I don't right, have right. that story. I never grew up with that story. Right. So I, I came at it almost as, like, a um, uh, it was the last instrument to choose from. So I was just left with playing the drums. And so from there, I just grew, you know, a huge passion for it. And absolutely loved playing loved um you know uh, it was I, I grew up after nickelback you know started to transition into like classic rock stuff so that's where i found mm-hmm. led zeppelin and black sabbath and all these fantastic drummers from the early 70s mid 70s mm-hmm. and i was like damn okay this is like the stuff i've been missing out on and then you get a little bit older, like Metallica starts creeping in and all the heavier influences mm-hmm. creep in. And so that's where I started to, you know, really take a, a liking to the drums. Um, and so that journey kind of landed me a, a bunch of gigs and a bunch of different um, projects and things. And then eventually you make your way into Tantric or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. That had to be a wild ride, like to be, to be able to get to a band, you know, that you're in now. Like what what did that feel like when like when you became part of that band? Like such a big band. It's not just some small town local. Mm-hmm. What was that, what was that feeling like? It was it was very cool. Like so back in the day I was in um a band called Triple Addiction and that was me and my brothers, right? And mm-hmm. we used to open up for Tantric, you know, playing shows in our local New Jersey, Pennsylvania, oh, wow. New York okay. circuit. And so that the getting the gig landed because of the um drummer before me Ian Karabi was leaving because the the band tours a lot we we do you know um ton, tons of shows a year and so mm-hmm. Ian has two girls two twin girls and he found himself not being home a lot so right. um he passed the gig down to me and and that feeling of like you know okay i'm not passing the torch yeah, yeah that's the man yeah, yeah. I'm not doing the ticket sale thing anymore like we were doing, which was a big part of the local scene out here. You know, you have to meet a certain ticket requirement for, mm-hmm. for your shows. Um, and, you know, t- to be in something that's a little bit more established with a little bit more credibility. It's not the tops, right? We're not like, you know, the Rolling Stones or whatever. And we're not, you know, even even to the point of like bands like Hinder or whatever. Um, but it's that sort of next step up and right. you know mm-hmm. feels great you know it's got that um the guys are great that i hang out with our, our crew is fantastic so um yeah couldn't have asked for a better step in the right direction but at the same time you dismembered a band that you and your brothers had formed i mean 
that you still play I'm, with him you still play yeah, with you your brothers with i'm them? sure i'm sure you do i mean yeah i mean they're they're my brothers right so they're always yeah. they're always around like i just got back <laughs> yeah. out with them you know so it's not like it's not like the band right right yeah. and then we were all like all right see you never you know it was it was, <laughs> right, right. It, was it was this change but they knew um my one brother had just got married in in august um mm-hmm. so his dream was always being like a sports journalist it was never really the music thing at a certain point he reached high mm-hmm. school and he started getting more into sports and that um my other brother he's still very much into music but not to the extent of making it a career right now so it kind of came at the perfect time where i needed that next step in a different direction and mm-hmm. they needed their respective steps and in, in, in another direction as well um but we did we did a record you know as the three of us that was all self-made self-produced self-written self you know anything that you could think of from the pr to the rollout the music videos all of it was ourselves. um right. so having that background in it it was more like i was able to take that and now apply it to the national band that i was in um so i wouldn't think of it as like a breaking up of something more just a transition into something else in my life mm-hmm. fair enough that's a good way good way to explain it for sure oh yeah man so what's the uh like the best uh tour experience you've had so far being with tampa tantric uh, I, know you, I know i've looked at like some of your posts like the the like 54 show or was it 48 shows or something like that 54 vehicles or something like that or yeah, or yeah. something like, or something like that we've had so, it's, like been you guys get it. it's been an interesting year um uh we had a bus accident back in september of uh Holy 2021 shit. and so that kind of landed us in this weird position of not having a vehicle for a while and you know the money is always money in money out it's it's a right. weird spot to be in so to you know make the shows happen um you know it costs money it's not just like we we make a certain amount and then all of a sudden you're just like set and you're like oh i've got like billions of dollars to buy a new vehicle right (laughs) Right. it's always this like it was always this thing of like playing catch up um for for a Mm. while and so um we never really got settled into a new vehicle um and whatever vehicles you know we had gotten were just like breaking down so it was like bad luck touring for the past Uh, year um so that was that was that post was the 48 vehicles (laughs) 50 something shows was all about that and it was you know we would rent cars and things we would make a we would take personal vehicles to shows um just to make sure that the things happened and moved um so yeah that very interesting there but as far as like best tour experience or any of that um there's been a lot you know we meet a lot of really cool bands um we did a run back in february with hinder and growing up you know if you like nickelback chances are you're gonna like hinder and so we did we did a really cool tour with hinder a little tiny it was like a four show mini run with them and they're great guys. We've done shows with Scott Stapp and his crew is really great. Um, I'm trying to think of like who else we got off with. Uh, we did smile empty soul over the, the summer oh, yeah. um, for like all of August. And those guys, those two guys, Sean and Ty are very, very cool um, mm-hmm. and great guys to just, you know, when you go on tour, it's like, this is already a stressful situation as is that hour that we get of playing the show is the best part, but the travel and getting there and the booking of the rooms and those things, um, 
a lot of that's, you know, stress. It's just, you know, you got to get to the venue on time at like three o'clock, but it's eight hours away and you just got off stage at, you know, two. So now it's time to like make up time that doesn't exist, you know? So it's like, <laughs> right, right. So it's like, okay, so we can sleep for six hours and then get a jump on this ride. So that way we can make sure that we're there. And most of the time you end up late anyway, because something happened, you know? So um, it, it's like, <laughs> but to be on tour with two cool guys like Sean and Ty. Um, and then we were out with this band called Silver Tongue as well. They were a part of the, the group too. Um, and Ra was in there for a minute as well. So we had like a really cool lineup of these bands. Mm -hmm. um, it was funny because we, <laughs> we called the tour, the, um, the loss of all things tour, because it was uh, smile has just come out with a, a record called the loss of everything and we had just come out with an album called the sum of all things so mm -hmm. our bass player had the genius idea of putting them together to be the loss of all things but didn't realize <laughs> that, that threw us for the whole tour yeah. <laughs> every single band had a vehicle problem every single band had something oh, going on. like you know gear he did some, vo he did some voodoo shit when he said that huh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We were we were just Major like curse. we were like yeah we could have really thought that one through a little bit more but we didn't and so yeah that was that was the thing it was it was such a bummer but no it was great overall though those are like the tour experiences that you know you'll you'll come home and and people ask you know like what happened how was it what would you do and when you bring up some of the stuff that goes on they're like no way. <laughs> <laughs> No way. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's. I can imagine some of the things like you guys go through trying to just get places, get everything set up like that. Yeah, nobody, and that's the thing. Like nobody parties or anything like that. We're not this like you know everybody assumes that you're like rock bands party and yeah that it's you're like, on you're tour. On, <laughs> yeah, you're on tour. Like oh my gosh, like that's got to be so cool. Like let's party after the show, and we're like, no, we gotta get to bed like as soon as possible. <laughs> that way, nobody's mad tomorrow. You know, it's like it, yeah. it's that sort of thing is. People, I think, just... It's not what everybody it. makes it cracked up to be. Yeah, but they also assume that you, <laughs> like, appear in their city, like, through osmosis or whatever. Like, you just, <laughs> like, like, you just oh, we ended up, you know, going from L.A. to Portland, and it just, like, we just appeared. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> like no, we had... Teleportation. Yeah, have you, we had Have you kept track of miles? Like, the miles you traveled? <laughs> have you actually kept yeah, track of them? It's funny. There's a post out there that JS, our merch girl, did, and she has a map of like her house in mm -hmm. Ohio and where it stems from there. I, I Somebody's got the mileage somewhere and I'm sure it's our booking agent or somebody. But the amount of miles in just the summer, we were going from Ohio to Wisconsin to indiana but then to south dakota colorado <laughs> nebraska then ended up somewhere like montana like you know everywhere that you could think of um and then ended up back in ohio back then pennsylvania we had one routing where it was us going from ohio to pennsylvania um which it's not just you know everybody assumes oh ohio 
It's right next to Pennsylvania. That's right it's next door. So that's only, hard drive. It's like an hour, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, like if you're coming from, you know, Dayton area, having to drive all the way across Ohio to get into Pennsylvania away. Yep. It's like a long drive. It was like seven hours. And then we had to drive back from that one Pennsylvania show to CVG to fly out and go to Texas for like an acoustic <laughs> set and then fly back the day just to drive me and my bass player drove from uh, CVG all the way back to like Jersey to get back home. So, you know, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a fuck ton of traveling, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like those acoustic shows? Do you like doing? No, we only do one, and it's very rare. It's like this was because you know it was um, somebody's birthday party down in Texas. Big fan. They had us and um, Kevin from Candlebox and Brian, and they came out and and did a set, and we did a set, and it was only because it worked out, and um, you know it it just fit. But other than that, it's like, no, we don't do, we do acoustic (laughs) meet and greet sets. That's like a thing that we do, but it's usually just Hugo singing, Um, you know, somebody will chime in with harmonies or whatever, but um, we don't do the acoustic thing very much. Everybody, it's like, if it's not worth it, then there's no acoustic going to happen. Everybody wants to crank it to 10 all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's understandable. (laughs) What was it like meeting uh, like Hugo? Because it seemed, seemed like you liked some of the bands that played with Tan- Tantric back in the day um, when they first kind of arrived on the scene. What was it me- like meeting and playing with, with Hugo the first it's time? It's funny because I met him well before um, I joined. And it was me and my brothers again opening up for him. And I remember going outside mm-hmm. and going, hey, man, great set. And he was just sitting down. He's like, yeah, hey, thanks. And that was it. Like, that was <laughs> And then I told him that like years later, you know, when when I joined, I was like, you know, we've met like before. And he's like, oh, man, you must have thought I was a dick. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit. No, but Hugo's great. He's you know, he's got stories like you wouldn't believe. Um, It's just 21, almost 22 years of just you know, just touring and writing and recording and, and doing that. He's had no day job. So his job has always been music. And and that's just, it blows my mind. So um, to hear his stories and, and his approach on things is very funny. Um, and his, you know, he, he's just a, he's one of the most charismatic people that I know. Um, and he's just got, it, like, when it comes to music, he's a killer piano player, if you didn't know. Um, yeah, he shreds, shreds piano and he also has like his guitar tuning is also in like what would make sense to a piano player um, that he tunes his guitar get all the notes but I went to school for music theory so to then talk to Hugo about music theory it's like oh man we like relate on this certain level you know this mm-hmm. like intellectual musical level or whatever you want to call it so um, yeah love love meeting hugo and you know the past two two and a half th- years of just hanging with hugo has been awesome oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah he's a he's a real down-to-earth guy um ray from uh misfit productions um he he uh 
was talking to him and he kind of, uh, his daughter at the time was like five years old and Hugo was like playing with his daughter, like after the concert and was like giving her care and just, he just seemed like a real down to earth guy. And for mm-hmm. somebody like you said, that has been that many years on the road is, is really cool. Really cool. Yeah. He, he, he does, uh, put a lot into the, the fans when they're around. He'll, he'll take the time, you know, he doesn't have this, um, you know, this rock star mentality thing this ego that gets in the way for the most part he's like you know after the show he's hanging out with people that yeah. ego that ego that gets in the way ruins so many good bands and you see it happen time and time again for sure for sure you see that a lot and it in it really like that's the that's the issue with lifting the veil right and and you see the musician of you know most of the time you're wanting to meet your favorite bands, but it's almost sometimes better to not because then that veil is lifted and you're like, Ooh, I don't really like that guy, you know? And it's like, changes your opinion on them. Yeah. I've had those, I've had those bands where you you talk to them and you're like, never mind. I I can go (laughs) without listening to your music. You know, I used to be a big fan, but now I'm not. And I won't name names just to, to, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that's to. sort of the thing is like, you know, if if somebody's a jerk, there's one, there's no reason to be a jerk in, in general, life in general. But right, um, sure. when it comes to, you know, music, especially, it's like somebody's going out of their way to buy your record, come to your mm-hmm. concert, you know, buy a T-shirt. Um, you know, there are certain songs that people cling to because of how much of an impact it's had in their life good bad indifferent um and it's like you know to to then be a jerk you're like it just it just ruins it really ruins it right that's one thing i've seen from you like with social media stuff it seems like you're a really down-to-earth guy and yeah and down to earth, it, seems like, positive, it seems like you are you still yeah, yeah. yeah are you still involved in like teaching i, I seem i seems like you that's part of your passion um teaching drums yep yeah so i still teach um i teach like usually four days a week um and does that get frustrating that has to get frustrating well like teaching in general yes yeah yeah so i'll, <laughs> I'll say this i'll say this love teaching and the mm-hmm. All of my students right now that I have um, are really good. Um, there are kids where I'll tell the parents, you know, after a couple of lessons, like he's just mentally he or she's just not cut out for it. Like it's just right. They they don't want to. You're just telling them they need to pick something. So like a kid will pick something that they can hit because it's like, oh, well, this isn't hard at all. Right. It's I can like, play drums to save my life. Everybody said that's surprised with the right teacher. So for only, you know, you can be and eye coordination's not there. Everybody says that though, and I thought so too. And I was like, you know, I always thought that uh like that first hurdle that you have to get over to make your right foot, your left hand, and your right hand work together. Um, that's mm-hmm. a really hard hurdle to get over it. But once you do, it's like, oh, this is way, way easier than I thought. It's just you got to get over like this, 
this pretty big hurdle first. <laughs> yeah, pretty big. I got little legs. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. You have no idea how short I am. <laughs> so, but it's, uh, it's, I, I love to teach. And, and back to what you were asking is um, there are certain times where, yeah, it does get to be a lot. And you're like, like they're, they aren't, they're not practicing. They're not doing this. But for the mm. most part, I find what works. I, I teach a lot of, um, special needs students and oh, that, that's awesome i, I kind of just stumbled into it. it wasn't ever like this passion thing you know um mm-hmm. like a lot of people will have but i kind of stumbled into it because my the place that i work at all-star music empire in, in flemington out here in jersey um we're one of the only uh schools music schools that mm-hmm. is certified from the government to teach special needs music lessons so yeah. I was kind of like, because of working there, I was thrown into it. And mm-hmm. after I started teaching them, I was like, they have a way bigger passion for music than like you or I could ever, ever imagine, you know? Um, so I, I teach a lot of special needs kids and I find what works for them. But even with everyone else, I find what works for them too. So it's like, if somebody's like, I've got one kid who's just already a brain, like he's six years old. And he knows what, like, you know, you get subdivisions in music and he already knows what 128 plus 128 is to get to 256 at six years old. And I'm like, how do you know that for a six year old? But he's just, you know, smart. So for him, I can show him like sheet music and he gets it. Whereas another six year old that I have, he is just off the walls. So I have to reel him in with something <laughs> is a little bit more in his wheelhouse. So you just got to find what works. People that have like a specific core regimen for how you teach drums, they're not doing it right because everybody's different. Everybody learns different. So you can't say sure. that because this works for one kid, it's going to work for everybody. You got to, everybody has to learn in their very specific way. Oh yeah, man! Sounds that's like you're made for it. That's cool. That's yeah, really cool. You, you, you tailor it to them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So I mean, uh, being in a band, obviously the drummer is always in the back. What's it like being in a band and not being like almost like the face? You know what I mean? When you think of a band, most of the time it's like the singer, the lead guitar player. What's it like being? It's kind of not a great question, but what's it like being not like the front face of the band? Um, it's less stress, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I mean, it's the heartbeat, though. He's the heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I love. I always loved. I, I like being the. I like being the front guy. Like I like being that in in a certain respect. So like, if you ever watch my drumming live, it's like pretty flashy it, it, for <laughs> for what it is. Um, you know, there there is a certain aspect of being in the spotlight that it, that is cool, not in an ego way, but you know, I, I want people to enjoy what I'm doing back there. I don't want to be right. in the, right, for sure. you know, and like have no light on me at all. Cause then it's just me playing and not like, there's a difference between playing and performing, right. And performing is 100%. very, you're, you're there to play the song. Well, of course, but you're also there to make people feel something to feel engaged to, to your show. Um, so I, I feel like that, um, part of me i'm not totally in the dark in in a band like tantric but to not be totally in the spotlight i also like too because i'm there to very much support the song and so you know these songs dating back 20 years 
people don't want to hear John Laurie's interpretation. They want to hear yours. No, I'm saying that they want to hear the breakdown as they know it. Um, So I'll put my little flavor on it like every musician does. But for the most part, it's like to the record. Like I studied Matt Tall, the original drummer. I studied a lot of his work on those first two records because of how um, one, how out of the box his thinking was. Um, but but two, it's like that's what people want to hear. They're they're coming to a tantric show and they want to hear breakdown as they heard it twenty years ago. They don't want right, to, right. you know, me go and do my own thing, you know. And there is there is a difference, like with uh, the three guys that you know are the musicians of the band, me, Sebastian, and Jaron. Um, we all come from heavier metal backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know like sebastian's dad was in in the band cinderella so that it's very 80s you know influenced and so Mm, you'll hear that more intense version of these songs live but it's not that we're taking away from from the originals like the the original is still very much there so finding it that big big deal yeah yeah Yeah. i've seen i've seen you guys live videos and live in the last a uh, couple years and yeah it's yeah i mean you definitely do you do it do it justice for sure, for sure. I, th- I definitely think when like if there is a really good drummer in a band like that's kind of where my eyes go just because mm-hmm. the the motion they're constantly always doing something so like when you have a drummer that's boring and just kind of sits there and just like you said sits in the dark and doesn't make the show it's it's harder for me to get into that Whereas, like, if I can sit there and watch a really good drummer, I get excited mm-hmm. about it. I'm like, holy shit, this guy can do this. It's yeah. nice. I mean, definitely, that's where my eyes get drawn to, especially during a concert. Yeah. So for the sure. singer and the guitar players, they're only, they can only do so much. But when you're sitting there watching the drummer in the back doing all kinds of different things, just sitting down, mm-hmm. it's wild. Yeah. It's, and it, it is very much, you know, everybody, you know, like going back to what you're saying is, uh, you know, I, I just don't have the coordination to drum. And I feel like a lot of people watch a drummer because of that fact that, you know, it, most most of the population can't drum or do, don't drum. Maybe not can't. Can't's not the word, but like right. don't. Right? So to watch <laughs> a drummer do something that's a little bit more, you know, like unobtainable to the audience, it's pretty neat. The other thing I, I to touch on what you were saying is I love watching drummers that are animated, right? Even if it's mm. just facial features, they look like yeah. they're smiling, having a yeah. good time. That gets me way more than the guy that's like this. Sitting there with face. a straight face the whole time. Oh, mm-hmm. dude, that drives now, me nuts. I'll say this, and and I I hate to say it, it's almost blas- blasphemous as, as a drummer, but Neil Pert is not one of my favorite drummers from rush because of his stone-faced very stoic yeah it's like a animation yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like i didn't get into it because it almost felt robotic and that's what he was going for right he's trying mm. to be as, as possible and totally understand that but his, the, his face just didn't show enough emotion or his his it didn't look like know, he was enjoying it yeah, and I and I'm sure he was. Obviously, he was you know, and right. I I still love. There's a lot of Neil Peart licks that you know I've studied and and looked at, and I was like, damn, like this that he can obviously play. But I got I always got drawn to drummers that would keep something so simple but have mm-hmm. so much taste on it. Like um, 
I just did this clinic with Bernard Purdy last last week on, on Sunday. And he's a guy that he's made it famous off of one groove. I mean, and a, a handful of, you know, platinum <laughs> recordings. But like his claim to fame is this one groove, um, the Purdy shuffle. And to watch mm -hmm. him do that for like, he, he did this clinic for like an hour and just like talked about that groove and his approach to simplistic drumming. I'm like, man, like that was so much more captivating to me than some guy that would have gotten up there and did like the craziest amount of flashy, fast rolls down the kit. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's it, the spectrum of drummers too. Very, very different. Right. Who is your favorite? You said like never, yeah. isn't your favorite. Who, who would be your favorite drummer? That's tough. That's tough. That's like, you know, who's your favorite kid? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I love John Bonham. Once I found Bonham, that was like kind of it. And I was like, you know, he's just so tasteful for the time. And it was stuff that nobody had ever heard before. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that would be a guy that if I could go back in time and just sit down and talk to, would have loved to pick his brain about what he was doing. Um, and and why he approached drums and it became a modern thing because of him like the way that we play drums nowadays is because of john bonham um so it's like that sort of guy i'd love to sit down and talk to but he would be number one influence um bill ward from sabbath would be like number two um but a lot of modern guys i like um i love jazz so uh, gene krupa if you date back to the early you know 30s and 40s he was fantastic um uh i love nate smith is a newer jazz drummer i want to say new probably like somewhere in the 2000s he started to climb up but um nate smith is fantastic there's rock guys like uh john fred young from blackstone cherry he's fantastic um barry kirch from shinedown i always loved his playing he's like as short as me which we both connected on on, on that level <laughs> nice to know that there's short drummers out there i love how, how tall are you if you don't mind me asking i stopped i stopped counting after it got depressing because <laughs> <laughs> aaron's also yeah. aaron's actually also a shorter guy yeah I'm, I think I'm I'm, very tall. it's gotta be it's gotta be like five six maybe i don't I'm know five five <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 probably <laughs> around there i'll say that I'm five, five. but it's pretty funny you're drumming, I can't tell, man. You're big as hell when you drum. So it's pretty, it's pretty funny when when I get off stage, and it'll be funny because I'll like walk down to the crowd and hang out by the merch table, and one people won't know that it's me, and, and <laughs> two they'll go, like they'll look like look me up and down, and go, it like. <laughs> Sorry, that's it's all me. that's there. <laughs> it seems to be short. I, know, I can't can't do anything about that. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, what's uh what's the most amount of gigs you've played in a year? Yeah, uh, we did I, I I wish that I kept track, but we've done uh, upwards of um 150 to 200 that range in one year. Um so that's probably the most. Most bands will do uh 100 dates a year safely um with months off in between. So they'll go for like a month and then have two months off and then a month and then two months off. But we've done like upwards of 200 in a year. That's that's a lot of time away that's from getting home. It. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's getting it. Yeah. Yeah. 
we're it's uh what did somebody term us as um i think it was um wayne from saliva was like you guys are just a bunch of land pirates and that's been like, <laughs> that's, been like that's a great way to put it that's so funny our our guitar player sebastian he's got like a land pirate uh uh tattoo on his arm <laughs> that's funny what's a land pirates just drifting mm-hmm. from place to place mm-hmm. yep <laughs> pillaging and whatever pirates do <laughs> now when you were younger did you ever see yourself getting this far in music um no no even even if you go back you know five ten years ago no definitely it, it, i mean i always wanted to you know and I, I even now you know sing here talking about it, i would love to go even further than this you know right. this this is just the start of it um but i didn't think it would be now i thought i'd be you know 30s i you know i i always told um my girlfriend that if i didn't make it in five years we're moving to nashville and we're gonna you know i'm gonna make it then you know and and that was kind of my that was where my sights were set originally mm-hmm. then this came up and it kind of changed the trajectory a little bit um but even still i i didn't see this happening i just knew it would always be something with drumming so whether that was teaching or recording or just gigging i was doing bar gigs like every single weekend you know it out here and i was like well you know what if this is the extent that i get to then i get to it but i i never like never settled in that respect never said you know okay Mm -hmm. well this is all i'm gonna try for it was always Mm -hmm. that mentality of how do how do you make this work even if the top of it for you isn't um you know, rock star, whatever fame. It was more so like I've got buddies out here that gig every single weekend, do wedding gigs, do that sort of music thing. And they have houses and, you know, a a comfortable living and it's still music. It's just not what everybody thinks making it is. Right. Right. So how's let's let's get personal here. How's touring affect your home life? If you're gone, if you're if you're gone that much, I mean, it's definitely got to be affecting in a way it wasn't as in when you weren't touring all the time, right? How's that changed in your home life? I I I don't think it's changed much. I think what's um, changed is how how we work things. Um, You know, like my girlfriend's very very supportive of me. And, um, yeah. you know, I've, drives me to the airport at four in the morning to make sure I can get my flight at like five. Dedication. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very. So it's like that is a big part of it is the change in how we work mm-hmm. is that. But, you know, I, I think that it's it doesn't feel like much has changed. It's just different. You know, like it's mm-hmm. um, we yeah at the time i was gone for you know like in august i was gone for a whole month but we knew you know coming back everything would be kind of back to normal and it kind of gives (laughs) i don't want to say it in a bad way but it kind of gives you a break (laughs) (laughs) you know but it it gives you something to miss it gives you you miss her absolutely it gives you something to come back to and go oh like uh, you know i definitely missed you I definitely miss this time. And even with my family too, is that it was like, 
you know, my brothers, I, I would come back or my friends or, you know, my parents and, and you come back and you're just like, mm -hmm. you got things to talk about now. You've got, you know, things to now catch up on and, and do. Um, so, yeah, it has it, it, everybody goes, oh, it's going to be so tough. And, you know, you're going to you're going to miss people when you're gone. And, and but I it's funny because a lot of musicians will say this. The ones that are in my, in my situation is they love the road and they usually miss home while they're on the road. But then when they're at home, they're like, man, I miss touring. Like, I want to get back out. There. <laughs> like, I've been home for like a week or uh, about two weeks now. And like, I'm like, oh, can't wait to get back out. <laughs> like, I love playing, you know, but then when, yeah. I'm at, when I'm on the road, I'm like, okay, all right, only three more shows and then I'm back, you know? <laughs> you're getting the best of both worlds. It's, you know, you're, it's just, it's just a weird push and pull. It's something that not a lot of people experience, right? It's just, you know, it's this weird thing, so. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely curious. I was like, man, I was like, I can imagine living a life like where you're gone that much. And it's like, ah, but I mean, having somebody that's taking you to the airport at four in the morning, she's dedicated. That's for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Makes the time that much more sweet. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. So do you have any upcoming things on the horizon for Tantric? Um, is there anything yeah. that you... I'm hoping um, it, my singer Hugo's on a cruise right now. Lucky him. He's, on, <laughs> so he's, he's doing that, living it up. Oh, yeah. I'm on a cruise or something. So he's doing that. And uh, he, he texts me. He's like, you know, I want to, once we get back, uh, it'll be like December or something. Um, December 1st, he was saying, but he, he wants to come out and we're going to maybe demo out some new songs um it, it was a while still are shopping for record labels but that navigation is a whole lot different nowadays mm -hmm. than, than what it used to be um mm -hmm. so we don't we had one record label for the past record but it was only for one album um and they really dropped the ball on the whole thing the whole rollout of everything really dropped the ball um so shopping for a new label but you know a new label wants to hear new songs too so there'll be some sort of like demoing out, hopefully in this time off. And then we don't go back out on the road till like March. Um, so we were hitting it hard for two years, burning up a lot of real estate, doing, you know, a lot of shows in very similar places. If not, like <laughs> there's this one bar in, in Ohio called the Blue Note in, in Harrison. Mm -hmm. And we played there like every six months in the past two years. Like, oh, there's the blue note again, back on the schedule. And it was always shit. It was always packed. I'm like, why are people still coming out? But they, they just loved it. I don't, I don't know yeah. why. Um, you had a hell of a show, yeah. apparently. Bring back. Yeah, uh, it was. It's always. It's always a good crowd. It depends on where we go. Um, but Ohio has always been good for us. Um, but yeah, then it. it we kick it off in March and then it's straight through till like July. Um, so it's like a full four months close to it of just nonstop shows. So looking forward to that. Are you looking forward to writing? Um, and yeah, okay. too, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 And Hugo, it, we were sitting the last show that we did in Louisiana, we were sitting backstage and he had his guitar out and, you know, one of these, things that he started playing i was really grabbed to and i was like that's sick that sounds like 
old school tantric. And that's kind of the, hopefully the goal is, um, you know, the modern sound of rock music is kind of dying out. Um, and it's just become oversaturated. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, you need something different. And mm -hmm. so hopefully this new record will kind of be a throwback vibe to the first two records. Um, that's what I'm pushing for. I think that could really do big things as like a comeback if if it's more in the mm -hmm. of the first two records. Yeah, all you gotta do uh, be being different in today's music is definitely gonna grab a lot of attention. A lot of these, a lot of rock bands now. I mean, like you said, they it's kind of all like the same thing. It's falling flat. Everybody's like, yeah, this is it. So I like I personally like listening, you know, to rock, but like different versions like i like older rock i like newer rock i like like the modern stuff but nobody now plays a whole lot of the older styles anymore yeah and i think i think what's really coming back is like the alternative thing like i'm getting mm -hmm. students of mine and i can really gauge it what's great is i have this insight into the younger generation that now uh, like i feel old right and so it's <laughs> this insight into this younger generation that's they're coming into the lesson room going like i want to play nirvana and i'm like you weren't even like around yeah you weren't even thought of <laughs> right <laughs> they're like 12 13 and they want to play nirvana and it's so like nirvana is not really one of my favorite bands but what's sick is that they want to listen to stuff that's real and authentic again right. um and right. things that doctored up and and fake and so what you've had in rock music is a lot of that. And and that won't go away. Like there are these bands that um, have come out that are still sick. Like, you know, um, Shinedown's been around for a while and, and they've been kind of playing this modern twist on rock music kind of. Yeah, it's been the same version of rock since they've come out. It's been the same style. Yeah. It's that, and it, and it's all kind of due to Nickelback, right? Because every record label, <laughs> it's true though. Every record label takes a band, right, and they see that there's some success there. Um, and usually, it's a bunch of labels have passed up this band for years, mm -hmm. right? So Nickelback mm -hmm. had a story passed up, passed up. Nobody wanted them. Nobody wanted them. Somebody finally took a chance on them and said, you know, we want you, and they end up being the number one selling band in 2001. Right. And then mm -hmm. every record label after that goes, Oh crap. Like we should have picked them up. <laughs> and then they just create these satellite bands that revolve around a nickel mm -hmm. style. So the mm -hmm. past 20 years, that's what we've had is we've had bands that are similar to a nickelback. So you get the bands like shine down or theory of a dead man, all good bands in their, their own respect you know mm -hmm. they've all done something with that that sound yeah. but it's now to a point where it's almost stale and it's it right. the shelf life is is kind of going away so now right. um even with like in in regards to a new tantric record what would be sick is to go back to that first sound um because mm -hmm. that's what the kids are almost listening to nowadays it's funny we'll get kids at our shows that are like you know way younger than the music and go mm -hmm. yeah love this love breakdown love morning whatever you know and the, and they want to listen to stuff that sounds real and authentic again um mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see what happens next year right 
I'm excited yeah. to, to hear it in the season. Yeah, next, for man. sure. <laughs> I mean, you definitely nailed the whole Nickelback thing. I mean, they recently just dropped a new album, and it don't sound anything different than what they've done over the last 20 years. So I will say, and and that's the thing. It, it, it might be my bias, you know, about a band like them because of how much of an influence it had over my life. I I generally think that if you love a band, genuinely love a band, you'll kind of follow them through their, you know arches oh for sure yeah and it's like you know it to so many people take like what was their favorite band and go oh but they suck they used to be way better back in the day it's like nobody goes out of their way to make a terrible album right like no band goes into the studio and goes how can we anger all of our fans today (laughs) (laughs) it's like nobody does that so to go and actively say you know, they used to be better back in the day. This was better. It's like, no, they're just trying to change with the times like anybody else. Were. Right. You have um, to yeah, evolve. Everybody has to evolve. Yeah. With the with regards to the newest album, there is a lot of just like, OK, yeah, this is just Nickelback. It sounds like Nickelback, but they took a little artistic liberty. Oh, they did. They, they yeah. for sure did. But you can no matter whether it's the, the drums, the guitar or the vocals. No matter what song it is. You can tell it's Nickelback. Yeah, you can it's take, maybe... move those away and be like, okay, it's just the drummer. This is for sure Nickelback. You can just yep. tell by the way they play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. Once you hit a certain formula, right, then you just like keep using that formula. That's what he it does. works. It works for them. He's written songs for Keith Urban. He's written songs for Tim McGraw for Avril Lavigne. He's you know Chad Kroger's a monster writer. So it's right. like want access to that formula because obviously it works you know you don't <laughs> no sell doubt. a diamond album because you suck it's like no <laughs> right. it's a formula that works you know and the sad thing is is everybody will sit there and talk about how bad nickelback is but if you put in one of their albums at some point they're going to be singing to their song it doesn't matter who's in the car it doesn't <laughs> matter who's around they're going to sing no matter how bad they say they hate nickelback it's always the case. You know, that's the thing is I'll get people that go, oh, well, you know, I, I don't like photographs. That song's cheesy and campy and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, OK, fair. I love photographs. But what I will say is you listen to this and then you put on like the heaviest Nickelback song or like the most, you know, depending on your audience. Right. The, like the most heart wrenching song or, you right. know, whatever. One of their best ballads. And then people will go, oh. Okay, now now I see it. You know, so it's like everybody says they hate them, but they don't. It's like there's it's there's true. always it a can't be true. How they, they sell that enemy records if everybody <laughs> right. hated them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's always these guys. It's like guys and girls that just kind of like they're coming out of their like hut. They're like little rock. They're sheltered. Like, <laughs> you'll go like, yeah, yeah. I like back and like you today on this thing, Eric. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I like Nickelback too. It's like you don't want to admit it. You don't want to say like, <laughs> yeah. like you're There's absolutely nothing wrong with Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're you're scared to bring it up, but then once that floodgate opens and you see people that are like minded about the band, you're like, oh, okay. There's it's fun. They did a show not too long ago, like it was a week ago, last Friday at a small venue near me. They did three shows. One of them was at one of our venues here. And I don't know why. It's just like a small thousand cap room. And they sold it out in like four minutes. 
<laughs> and, and you're like, oh, well, everybody can't hate Nickelback. Right. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. It's like everybody's closeted Nickelback fans. It's kind of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's exactly. like, yeah. I, I grew up with them. I mean, I remember first time I heard uh, you remind me how you remind me. I mean, it, it, they were a good band. I loved them back then. And mm-hmm. I mean, every band has their ups and downs. I mean, yeah, of course. Musical growth. And, and everybody, change. everybody has their haters. So I mean, obviously, yeah. you've experienced your your end of haters towards the band. What's that like? Getting, you know, just douchebags. Yeah, it's like we're not at the highest level to the point where, um, you know, we you get all of this hate. Usually, we get a lot of positivity. A lot of people that have stuck around awesome. for twenty years. Right. We'll get a lot of people that have stuck around and have seen different iterations of the band and say very nice things of like, you know, you're, you guys are the best sound that the band has ever had, or, you know, Mm -hmm. the best drummer that the band has had, the best bass player that the band has ever had. The, when, when people say that it's coming from a real genuine place, and this is people that have been around it for 20 years, the worst that hate that we ever get, um, it's usually people that are saying like, Oh, well, this doesn't sound like, you know, this guy from the original lineup you well, know that's because it's not that guy right and, and it's like <laughs> it's like you can't help that people moved on and you know did a different thing you know and so as long, right. long as we're doing songs justice and we're not you know trashing on them then there, there should be no hate but generally honestly i haven't seen any hate and i i have the instagram and the facebook page for the band so i see the comments all the time and Usually they're all very positive things. That's good. That's, that's good. awesome. This time, this time, that's good. This time, I mean, from what you, what you, uh, what you hear, hear out there. Now, so now I'll say this: my one buddy that that does, um, he's he's blown up on like TikTok and YouTube. His name's Billy Wilkins, and and I drum for him too when I'm not doing the tantric stuff. Um, and he's got a really big following that he's kind of developed since COVID. Since COVID hit. We all had to like find different things to do. And his thing was like singing for strangers where he gets on Omegle or chat roulette or one of those things. Mm-hmm. And he's got his guitar plugged into an interface and his microphone. And he's doing the like, you know, people will request a song and he'll sing it. And they're blown away because he sounds great and shreds and whatever. And he gets more hate because he's in the newer, younger generation market, whereas Tantrix in a very older demographic where there's not really people that are going to come and go out of their way to hate on tantric right Right. um people go out of their way to hate on my buddy billy because he's doing a cover of a newer song that's not in the style of what they know it as or whatever um so and kids have learned to hide behind their screens too so you know that's kind of the thing The, the older generation is more i'll say it to your face and the younger yeah. gen is more, I'll just say it online and then just like log out. And you, won't, <laughs> you won't see me again. Yeah. That. Yeah. Keyboard tough guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I've heard his stuff. Yeah. He's, I've, I've seen on TikTok. He does really cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do some drumming for him? You said as well. Yeah. Yeah. Him and I get together. Um, we'll do the videos together. We write together. Um, you know, it, we've we've we used to do shows all the time together. That was one of the bands that we would play like every weekend and we'd be doing these like crappy bar gigs, just trying to scrape together like a couple hundred bucks. 
to just, you know, make some money at it. And we we were always thinking like, man, like you're like, he's going to get there one day. He's going to do it. Like we know it, like he's good. Um, And then now to see him where he's at and he's doing like some really big things on TikTok and YouTube. um, It's like, wow, he's starting to make it. So um, we're hoping for with tantric you know doing all of our things but with billy as well that's another big thing is to to get his ball rolling a little bit more um and start you know getting some songs written and and because he hasn't really released a whole lot of songs um since like 2020 i think was his last song so we're hoping that this year get some new songs under his belt and hopefully get on tour next year oh yeah i guess that's uh kind of leads me into is there anything you want to you want to plug um like your projects friend projects tantric things coming up no tantric billy wilkins those are the two places you'll find me me and my guitar player sebastian labar have um some really cool songs in the works and things of that nature um but you know you can find me on instagram at at john's drum studio and facebook john laurie j-o-n by the way because everybody writes her wrong <laughs> but um you know you'll you'll find me there and you know i'm always posting ridiculous content all the time um so if anybody needs to hit me up for anything i'm always around oh yeah man i appreciate oh, yeah. coming on I really do for sure, you guys for sure. yeah we we'll see you guys next time yep definitely